Welcome to Play the Long Game with Scott Wozniak, where I explore how to win the biggest games with the longest time horizons. From business to health to relationships, if you want to win the long game, you are in the right place. My guest today is backed by popular demand, Daniel Steer, who, if you've not heard the previous episodes you need to go back and re-listen to, is back to talk to me again about his remarkable life and the crazy adventures that he and I have had. Daniel, for those of you who don't know, has been a friend of mine for 25, gosh, almost 30 years now. And uh, we have worked together in a variety of contexts. He's hired me, I've hired him, we've both launched companies together. And we've both built families together. It's been the full gamut of life and adventures. Daniel is a strategist, catalyst, coach, and communicator. After 15 years working for technology startups and Fortune 500 organizations, he's been coaching and consulting small business owners and executives. Daniel is the co-host of the Make Work Not Suck podcast, the Alpha Pack podcast, and he is an author of an upcoming book, The Thriving Executive. Daniel has a Bachelor of Arts from Covenant College, Bachelor of Science in Industrial Systems and Engineering from Georgia Tech, an MBA in Strategy and Analytics from the Emory Business School. He's a certified master life coach, a speaker for business and nonprofit audiences. He's, he's my thinking partner and an expert on resilience, executive leadership, and strategy. Uh, when Daniel's not working, he's probably doing CrossFit, reading, or traveling with his wife, Victoria, and their two boys. Welcome to a great conversation with my friend, Daniel Steer. Daniel, great hanging with you as always, my brother. Thanks for joining me. Of course, man. Always enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. So listen, I am totally going to take advantage of our longtime friendship and partnership. And uh, I, I'm going to ask you a question I would never ask somebody else who's like, like just first time guest. Everyone loves to talk about decision making, right? It's one of the big themes of my podcast, right? Let's super, talk long Super term. important. Yep. Thank you. How do we get better at decision making? Um, that's not what I want to ask you about. Uh, I I want to ask, Uh-oh. what's a bad decision you made lately? <laughs> like like just I'm putting you on the spot on air. Yep. Let's let's learn from the inverse. What are bad? What's a bad choice? A bad choice. Okay, so couple parameters here um bad choice that doesn't get me th- arrested that's right that's right we or, are hurting my lawyer yeah, would tell you not to, to to incriminate yourself right here. right so so don't get <laughs> don't get arrested uh don't permanently burn any relational bridges yeah, i i was gonna put it much simpler the hard lesson i've learned is uh don't talk about your wife um on your podcast <laughs> smart yeah yeah yes. learn that lesson I mean, unless, unless i'm talking about how beautiful she is that's a right. great pop podcast but uh-huh. bad decisions followed by wife story probably gonna make for yeah. a weekend yeah uh argue, <laughs> arguing with your wife there you yeah, go. That's, yeah. The time that she was clearly wrong and I was in the right. Like let's that, let's that, do that one episode. time. Yeah. That uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, one time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any argument with your wife is a bad decision. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's right. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Dang it. I, I was laughing and then I was like, no, you're no, you're, right. You're, you're yeah, that's that's not a joke. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the one that comes to my mind, this is kind of silly, but man, I regret this decision is 
I've decided to give up alcohol for a while. Wow. And, and so I was hanging out with some buddies this weekend. And one of my friends was like, hey, I've got this non-alcoholic bourbon. You want to try it? And I was like, sure. You know, I checked out the label. Looks good. Smelled it. I'm like, okay, I'll give it a go. Oh, gosh, it was terrible. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm not going to slam anybody's brand here, but... Oh, good gosh. I would have rather drank NyQuil than, <laughs> than, than that. It was terrible. I think we yeah, poured the whole bottle out. <laughs> and that's, and then, listen, this is not a knock on non-alcoholic drinks. I've, I've had uh, alcohol-free wine or some of the other. Uh-huh. They can be pretty good. Um, some of them can be. But, this was not one of them. Okay. Okay. So, so for the record, um, maybe bourbon is not meant to be, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Maybe the point of the bourbon is like without the alcohol, why are we drinking this? What thing? are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, That's a very fair question. Yeah. That, that's um, like, that's like eating peanut free peanut butter. Like really? Right. Like, I, yeah. do you understand and, what this product is? Yeah. And I'm not a snob on these things, but gosh, that was terrible. Okay. Um, okay. So, so there's my one non-incriminating or only slightly incriminating bad decision that I can tell you about this from, from the last <laughs> that's week. Right, that's right. This is the one that I'm legally allowed to announce. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, okay. So I think where I'm headed with this, besides putting my friend on the spot and watching you squirm on air, that's sure. always fun. Um, yeah. Where I'm heading with this is the, the process of evaluating our own decision-making because I have never made a decision that I knew was bad at the time. Now we'll say things like, I know I probably shouldn't do this, but if you really get past all the, the pomp and the jokes, I honestly believed in the moment, every one of my decisions is one I should make. Mm -hmm. I might think, Oh, I know if there's a price for it, but, but if I really legitimately believed the decision was bad, I wouldn't make it. Mm -hmm. We're not, we're not that dumb. Right. Um, so most of, most of us speak for yourself. Um, <laughs> well, okay. This is like jokes aside. This is actually one of the insights I had on leadership uh, when I really got moving into bigger and more complex scenarios is uh, I'm not saying all, all decisions are good decisions. I'm saying everyone actually believes given their rational frame of mind at the time or whatever their frame of mind is, it actually does seem like a good choice to them. And if, and if I was only looking at it their way, it would look good. Now, I'm not a um, relativist who would say that there is no good. I think there are truly some dumb decisions. You shouldn't do that. But I actually think in that moment, because of what they locked their mind on, it felt good to them. And, and to say to them, like those morons who make bad decisions, me, I I was, I believe. So what I want to poke at is how do we know, because this is one of your specialties, how do we know whether we're on the right track. How do we do evaluation and analysis and review? And and I just got back um, doing some, some strategic planning. I did three sessions with three different folks last week. And there's this, this bouncing ideas off somebody else process. You're a premier coach. You sit with people in process. How do you call out, notice the difference between a good and bad decision? Like what are the markers you look for? Like that's going to be good that's going to be bad. And how can we use those to kind of help ourselves think better? Because if you go with your gut, we'll always think every decision I make is right. And I can now look back and be like, I thought buying that alcohol-free bourbon would be a good call. Oh no. If you knew what I knew now, um, you, you would not spend that money. And so like, 
what's the process? How do we self-analyze or evaluate our decision-making? Can you evaluate your own decision process? I mean, what does that look like? I, I think you can. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, reading about this and working with clients on it. Yeah. This is why I'm asking you is because yeah, let, let me be more, less vague. Not as it's just vaguely your career. You do this for me, right? Yes. Like, yes. I, so I regularly the, sit with you and have you like, here's what I'm thinking. Test this, challenge this. And, and I often come out of there with a different decision because you showed me something I didn't see. So like, you're one yes. of the best I know in the world at this. So how in the spirit of full transparency, I am Scott's coach. Yeah. Scott is my coach. We charge each other a million dollars an hour. I mean, listen, um, it's what he's worth, right? And worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh hey. And, and so with Scott. Um, <laughs> that's right. So I I think, you know, the, the more I'm reflecting, reading, chewing on this, I think there's three important things to help us frame this conversation. I agree with you. Most people don't intentionally make bad decisions. Hmm. So why do bad decisions happen so frequently? I think there's three main reasons. One is oftentimes we are not considering all of the options because some of the options exist in our blind spots. Hmm. All right. So when you see a problem you see a, a set of options available to you. Yeah. There are options you are not considering simply because you were you. Hmm. And if this problem was to be faced by somebody else, they would come up with a completely different set of options. Some of them might overlap with yours, but they would throw things into that mix that you would never even contemplate, right? And, and so that's where getting advice, having a coach, having a spouse, having a friend, you know, just anybody who's not you mm. to look at the same problem and be like, well, what are even some of the options that could be available to me here? Um, I see this in, in my marriage all the time. My wife and I look at a situation and she's like, we should do this. And I was like, never in a million years would I have even thought that was an option, but you're right. We could do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. And, and this is, this is already awesome because I think too often we're we're down to like decision making is picking the right option. Right. Well, actually, that is late stage decision making. That's step two, or I think that's usually step three. Yeah. Like we're way down the road. The right. first thing, which I bet most people, I for most of my life, I didn't even spend any time on the first phase, which is am I even considering all the options? Um I, Ooh, I so so even considering your options is I would say step two. Oh, interesting. Okay. okay. So, so this, and this kind of goes to the second piece, right? Is I, I use an assessment tool with a lot of my clients, almost all of my clients now. And one of the things that it assesses or wait, wait, kind it, of evaluates. Is this, is this that, uh, that executive assessment process? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I call it the executive snapshot. Okay. Um, I, I've been through that. So I just want to make yeah. sure which one, the one that uses judgment index and simplify mm -hmm. and like, okay. Yes. Yes. Legit. Huge deal. Okay. Got it. Got it. So I'm with yeah. you. Um, and so I don't know if you remember this, but I, when I was talking with you, one of the line items looks at what I call kind of your executive functioning skills. Mm -hmm. And I unpack that as this is your ability to first take in information. Yeah. Second, frame the problem. Mm -hmm. What's the problem we're trying to solve here? Step three, come up with your options. Step four, pick one of the options, step five, execute the option. 
right? And so we call that decision making, but there's actually five steps there. Yeah. And and you can be good or bad at different parts of those steps and you will have varying degrees of success, right? Yeah. I find again, if I want to again, don't pick fights with your wife, but <laughs> one of the things that I notice in many of my arguments in my personal life, we're just solving for different problems. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's not that one decision's right and the other one decision's bad. It's that we're solving for different objectives. Yeah. And the path that optimizes for one will be suboptimal for the other. And so it's it's a higher level conversation than did you make a good decision or not? Well, what are you optimizing for? Yep. Yeah, yeah, okay. Blind spots, or do we even consider the options? And right. then so so blind spots would be maybe the first thing I would say. Um, the second one would probably be this idea of what's your objective? What are you trying to optimize for? Yeah. What is success? What would a win even look like? Uh, many times we won't slow down long enough to really think that through. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're mentally lazy. I think that's it's a little harsh thing to say. I would say uh, thinking takes a lot of energy. It does. And... Um, and good thinking takes even more. And so <laughs> we we tend to try to find the fastest path to a decision. Yeah. And that doesn't always lead to the best conclusions. Yeah, no, this is, and this is not one of those things that we say, you should stop. You, you should just always think always and t- like, welcome to humanity. Right. There are uh, a, a million, a bit, maybe a trillion bits of information flooding us at any one given time from light and sound and temperature to humans and the world and politics and and menus at restaurants i mean the we use um the scientific world calls it heuristics but it's basically like use of thumb shorthand to say like oh hey you know this is generally good and this is generally bad and like and this is where we get into things like stereotypes and assumptions but the reason is because there are sometimes when it does make things, they're, they're useful in 80% of the time, and then they wreck you in the other percent of the time. Uh, in high school, right? I'm going to pick a super cheesy example, but like the way you would dress, most most schools clustered into like, you know, the the nerds and the jocks and then like, you know, the goth kids. And, and what you would say is like, you could just walk in and look at somebody's clothes and be like, oh, He's probably this kind of guy. I would be friends, right. not be friends. Well, that's not always true. Some sure. of my best friends were nerds who happened to play football. Um, and they look right. like this guy, but they actually act. Actually, we were just talking about this. The guy who plays Superman in the latest movies. Isn't he like a super nerd? Um, oh, yeah, he totally is. He looks like Superman he, and he's he totally like jacked. He's, he's a Wall Street bro powerlifting, right? Like, right. like yeah. he looks he looks that like that guy. Uh, but he's like hardcore into like Warhammer 40k or something ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, like, like he, that's he a, out, if you don't know, you're not nerdy enough, right? Like that's he out the, nerds. He out nerds me. And that says a lot. I mean, like, seriously, like it's such a nerdy game that most nerds are intimidated. And right. And like, but you would again, that's not because man, all oh, the clothes don't matter. It's because the danger is most of the time it, it does. The guy who does look and walk and act like that wouldn't be into Warhammer 40K and you shouldn't talk to him about that. So sure. um, 
Yeah, it, 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 but this this survival mechanism breaks down when we try to make an intelligent, an implicit decision. Is we just kind of go with the the automatic, like ah, I don't know, this right. one, like whatever. Well, well so that kind of leads to the to the next one, right? I, I think the next reason why people make bad decisions is they allow themselves to be put into situations where they are either unable or unlikely to make a good decision. Oh, okay. Say more about this. How does the okay. situation change my decision-making? So I think it was Warren Buffett that says, anybody can look like a genius when you have lots of good options, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, but, when you, but when you step back and look at some of the decisions, perhaps maybe some of the hardest or some of the worst decisions that you've made, oftentimes the decision was shaped by the circumstances. Like the mm. options were shaped by the circumstances. I'll give you a personal example. Okay. Um, my dog, who was 13 years old, got violently ill on Christmas Eve. Oh, yikes. Okay. And not a lot we could have controlled there, but we found ourselves in a situation where there were only bad options. Yeah, that's a bad time to have to deal with a pet crisis. Right. And they were like, mess. right. And they were like, well, we could keep her overnight for the next two days and then do surgery the day after Christmas. And, and so it was, it was a very emotional time. My wife, my kids were all crying. Yeah, I mean, cause let's just call it out. Your, your dog was a medium to large size dog. And so like right. 13 for that breed, I mean, this is late stage anyway. It is late stage. So this isn't a casual, like it's a, it, there's a lot she's, of like implications. already it. had two abdominal surgeries. Oh, okay. The doctors had told us they didn't think she would likely make it through a third. And, um, and so like all the, all the options were terrible. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, and so we made the, we chose, now looking back, I think we chose the least worst option <laughs> yeah. to put her down, which would, re, mm. you know, eliminate her suffering and, and all of those kinds of things. Mm. It was a horrible decision, but mostly it was because we were in a bad situation. There were no good options. There were only bad options and worse options, right? Yeah, I, I was going to talk about the time I ate way too much dessert because I went to the Christmas dessert party, but like you, you went to a whole other level of well, so there. so <laughs> I think it applies at a lot at a lot of levels, right? I think that one's another one, right? Don't go grocery shopping when you're hungry. Yeah, you're not going to buy good foods. You're going to buy sugar. You're going to buy carbs. Mm. You're going to buy snacks, and then when you come home. You're going to eat that. Well, why? Because you put yourself in a situation where you're unlikely to make good decisions. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I see this with a lot of people, even just with life circumstances where they, they continue to make bad strategic decisions that narrow their rate, their choices later in life, right? Like if you don't take care of yourself physically over time, that will catch up with you. And then in your later age, you're just not going to have a whole lot of options. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You don't, you don't at 80 make up for 50 years of, of hard drinking, right. smoking and, and donut eating. I mean, it. sure. No, you can't. And, yeah. and so you find yourself in a situation where like, okay, let's say you're 65 and you lose your job and you, you don't have enough money to retire and 
you've got to go get a job now and you've got to make a decent amount of money because your wife and kids are depending on you. Well, that's a bad spot. It's worse if you're not healthy enough physically to do any sort of a job that requires physical movement, Mm. right? Mm. And it's like, well, now all of those jobs, like, you know, you can make a pretty decent living driving a UPS truck. Is it glamorous? No, but- I feed your family. Yeah. Serve society, make a good wage. But if if you're not healthy enough to carry packages up and down the stairs, you can't get that job. And so now your options are very narrow. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and that's not a single decision. That is a, a series of choices that have limited your options. Yeah. I, I will tell you, and maybe this is the gen X in me talking, but, um, a big life filter. We literally taught our kids this. We were telling them this last weekend. Listen, kids, when in doubt, when you're thinking about your life, set yourself up to have more options. Right. Like Choose you, the option that gives you more options. Yeah. Don't don't paint yourself into a corner. Don't lock it in. Now, there can be exceptions to that. Um, I, I got married and I very deliberately cut off all my options, right? Right. Like, right. Like, sorry. Done. Right? That, that would... Every now and then you need to paint yourself in a corner and say here for the rest of right. my life, I'm in, but like, like we're talking, we were talking career. We were talking even schedule with the party with their friends. It's like, Oh, I th- I think college, like I'm going to make some people mad here. I think getting, <laughs> I think majoring in teaching is a bad choice. Mm, why? Okay. Okay. Because you know, clearly you don't like school teachers. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, both my parents were teachers actually. <laughs> I know. That's um, why I, I poked at that. I was yeah. like, I, I know, I actually know his parents. Here's, yeah. here's the reason why I graduated with an engineering degree. My high school offered me a teaching job and I had taken zero teaching classes mm. because I had an engineering degree. I was good at math. They're like, Hey, if you're good at math, we can teach you how to teach. Right. So right. teaching opens up teaching to you, but closes all other doors, engineering, math, you know, those kinds of things. Like I can go into teaching even without having the teaching certification, Yeah, but I can also go into other jobs that teachers can't. And so I had more options available to me, whereas teaching, you're pretty much locked in. Like you can't go to an investment bank and be like, hey, I was a teaching undergrad. I want to go be an investment banker. They're like, sorry. Um, yeah. yeah, which I, I followed that philosophy for my undergrad. Clearly. Yeah, you did. Very, yeah, very clearly, clearly focused. you did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, can, you can go from musical theater to... You, and uh, if you think he's joking, sadly, that is exactly my undergrad. Sadly, I had a blast. Um, sure. You had I a lot more a, fun in college than I did. Heck, yes, I did. It was yes. awesome. Now, what I what I managed to do was sell my future employer, because I, I did actually do some professional work and then then chose a different option. Um, but I sold them that the the really what it is, is applied psychology, mm-hmm. project management, mm. um, creative writing, uh, mm-hmm. but, creative dancing, yeah, interpretive. I, yeah, I, yeah. I might have left the dance minor off of the, the job interview discussions. Mm-hmm. That's smart. Though, um, though I, I will say I did not leave dance minor off when I was uh, wooing my wife. That those, smart. those classes paid off. So here's the fourth piece that I think we don't talk about. Um, one is, let me see if I can recap these. Your blind spots, yeah, right? There are options that you're not even thinking about. Yep. Two is your objectives. 
Are you clear on what you're really trying yeah. to do? You even know what success would look like. You even know what success would look Three, have you put yourself into a position where there are good options available to you? Yeah, are you in the right room? Uh, are you in the right room? Are you in the right frame of mind? Ooh. Um, like I had a client once who was totally burned out. He had been on a, in a rough job for a long period of time and he was trying to make career decisions. And I remember asking him, I was like, are you even in a frame of mind to make this decision? And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, what if you just take a month off, go to Europe, like just check out, find yourself, get back into a good headspace and then come back and make this decision. Dude, I did um, this five years ago. Now I, I did not take a month in Europe, but I was starting to feel like maybe I don't love my job. And it was five, six, right. seven years ago, but not, mm -hmm. not super recent, but I was like, maybe I picked the wrong career. I thought I loved this. I used to love this. Why did I still love my work? I dread my job. And so I took, I cleared my schedule for a week and I just said, I need a week. I'm going to have to re and I didn't tell my team because uh, I didn't want to freak everybody out, but I was like, right. I just can't keep doing this. So the first day I slept into almost noon, right? Right. And then I kind of moped around and thought about my, when my dead end job. And the next day I slept into almost noon. And then I got up and I started thinking, I actually want to go back to work. Like I, I wasn't discouraged at all. I was physically exhausted. Like yeah. once I had slept enough, um, then then suddenly I'm back to loving my job. And so, right. yes, I have learned that um, sleep deprivation feels like discouragement to me. Yeah. If, um, you, you've heard the acronym HALT, H-A-L-T. I, I don't think so. If you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, don't make any decisions. Ooh, um, or, or, or at least nothing important. <laughs> yeah. What What if that's a normal, like you know, Monday evening for some folks? Like we might be explaining a lot of the the bad life choices looking at. Right. 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 And so I think then you've got to kind of zoom out and be like, okay, why am I always hungry, angry, lonely, or tired on Monday nights? Okay, maybe I need a protein bar and a cup of coffee at. 2.30 in the afternoon, yeah. so I'm not a miserable version of myself come six o'clock. Yeah. Um, I've done this, like, I've done this a lot, right? Where blood sugar's low, tired from the day, you know, maybe I, you know, got beat up in some way, shape, or form emotionally during the workday. Yeah, yeah, a client and, uh, goes through a crisis and yeah, a client goes through a crisis in their meeting or, while everyone's freaking out, right? Those or, you know, somebody on your team drops the ball and now you got to work late for it, right? And then you show up at dinner or at a happy hour, you're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. It's like, well, of course I'm going to make bad decisions. Of course I'm going to eat the burger, not the salad. Yeah, um, I've got a burger, chase it down with beers, and then wonder right. why the rest of the evening start, gets worse, right? Like, right, yeah. and, and then I wonder why tomorrow I'm up three pounds from where I was today. So <laughs> yeah. put, putting yourself into situations where you are less likely mm. to make bad decisions or where you have better options, right? In that situation, you know, be in a better frame of mind, maybe pick a restaurant that isn't a bar slash restaurant. Actually, like the last time we hung out, um, that was, we, we were talking about where to go eat, you and I with uh -huh. some of our buddies, and we had a couple of options. And one of the reasons why I was like, I would rather eat at this place versus that place is the, the first place was suggested was sure. like a, a college bar, which uh, we were looked at the menu. It's like, Fried bar food, fried this, fried this, fried this, fried that. Yeah. And it's like, they all look delicious. But if I go there, the chances I'm going to order the only non-fried item on the menu are 
pretty low, pretty slim, right? And so just don't put yourself in that situation. And then the fourth one, and, and I think this is the one I'm trying to really reflect on for myself. I think the worst decisions are usually not conscious decisions. Hmm. They're habits. Oh, interesting. We I don't normally connect don't even, the dots, habits as a even, decision. You don't even think about it as being a decision. Right. And yet it is, right? Yeah. No, you're last, right. Last night, climbed into bed at 10 o'clock and turned to my wife and said, hey, you want to watch the sitcom? And she's like, sure. So we turned on the TV at 10 o'clock. I didn't go to bed until 11. Yeah. That, that was a decision. Now, at the time. <laughs> that was a decision. That was a decision. Now, at the time, it didn't feel like a decision. It felt just like a habit. Yeah. Like, hey, this is what we do. Yeah. This is what we do. But again, those kinds of habits compounding over time can put you in a situation where you're unlikely to make good conscious decisions, right? Yeah. Bad unconscious decisions lead to bad conscious decisions. Hmm. So when we talk about decision-making, I think these are kind of the four, some of the four maybe biggest obstacles to good decision-making is, you know. What I love about this is we didn't even once like spend a time on, here's the, the formula on how I weight uh, the factors of this choice or that choice. It's like, get get the options, get clarity on the outcome, get the frame, get, and then really where you end up is in this Warren Buffett scenario. It was like, well, listen, they're all good. I mean, at, at Warren's stage, um, you only bring him the world's best opportunities. And so right. he's looking at the world's best investment deals. If he could actually pick the worst one of the lot every time and still mm -hmm. make a lot of money because everything coming to him is going to make him billions of dollars. It's the pre-work. It's the internal, external stacking of the deck, which maybe that's another way you think of playing a deck of cards. It's like, listen, if you go in your deck and you yank out everything that's like seven and below and you throw in a bunch of extra face cards, what do you know? I'm going to pull a lot of really high cards, not because right. I'm a good card player, uh, right. not because I'm counting on myself to be smart in the moment. Um, I'm just going to set it up so that it's easy for me to pull this stuff off. Um, yeah. I'll I think throw another one. I just posted okay. about this. Um, I, I, and this is where I've learned a lot in the last hand decade or so. Decision making used to be about how smart I was. So mm -hmm. it was all on me to like my internal thought process. I read all these books and I was like, you know, I've got a good brain. I'm going to be the smart decision guy. Um, but it was very much a self contained, I've got to improve my intellectual capacity here. Right. And more and more, I'm like, no. It's a collective thinking process. Yeah. I don't make decisions alone. In fact, I, I just posted about that on social media like two days ago. And I was like, don't think alone. Even if yeah. you're good at thinking, right. um, you're all still better. Uh, what I was saying to them, I'm like, I, I'm a strategist. I get paid a lot of money for like billionaires and CEOs and all these folks bring me in to be their thinking strategy guy and help them think better. Mm -hmm. And I bring in you to help me think better. Um, right. Like I, you could say probably fairly I'm pretty good on my own, right? Like I, sure. I, I, I mean, I can, I can use the exact same strategic framework I teach my clients and I just use it for my own decisions. Mm -hmm. And I still think, so that's my fifth, maybe I'll, I'll add a contribution to this is, and after all that, 
do your speak the bigger the decision the more critical it is that you don't do it alone yeah have somebody else help you got to own it at the end of the day it, you know you're responsible for your own life but but man you certainly just you you started here like talk with your wife be friends and they they offer options you don't think and you catch my my wife occasionally is like okay so you're hangry uh you know the mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Can we can we eat some food and then pick this conversation back up again? Um, right. But I I don't notice that I'm my own ability, and this is the irony. Don't notice when my decision making capacity degrades, the very thing that degrades is my ability to evaluate my decision making capacity. Absolutely. It, it's like I, by definition, when I'm starting to to lose like get out of sorts and lose my frame and get that unsettled space. I'm no longer capable of noticing that that I'm out of sorts and unsettled, and it's vaguely right. in the back of my mind. But all I'm thinking is, man, man, I, I just got, I just got to make it go away. Like, do this. Thing. I got to get this. I got to get through this. I got to get this over with. Yes, yeah. and so I, I, I think if if it's conscious, you are more than likely going to make good decisions. Yeah, yeah, right. The the real battle is the unconscious things that are occurring before mm. and during a conscious decision. And, and that's again, not trying to be all, yeah, you know, intellectual judo here, but it is more of the things you're not talking about that are influencing the decision. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's where people end up making bad decisions, not because they're stupid, but because they've allowed themselves to be put into a bad situation, they're not a good version of themselves in that situation. They could easily be running on autopilot. They're not really thinking that this is actually a decision. It's just a reaction. Mm. And they're not asking for input. Like you said, they're not checking their blind spots, asking somebody who they know thinks differently from them and saying, Hey, what's, what's an option here? I'm not thinking about. Yeah. They don't take that time. One rule I got, um, from the uh, chip Heath, great author. He says, if you ever find yourself considering either this or that, and Mm -hmm. those are your options, you're not thinking like immediately it's almost never either or one or like only two options. If it's a binary, don't do it. You're, you're automatically, I can tell you, you've not think you're not thinking enough about your options. There's always yeah. more than all or nothing. Yeah. There's very few things in life that are truly a binary decision. Yeah. There are some, but not, a, not as many as you think there are. Very few. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So listen, um, since we got on this, like I mentioned that executive snapshot, um, mm-hmm. I g- give, give them a two seconds on that. Cause I'm guessing there's probably a few folks who might say, Hey, I would love to have Daniel as my thinking partner and help me see some options. So like, tell him, you know, give us a 30 second summary of that. Yeah. I'll put some links in the show notes for everyone to check out more if they want to, but give Perfect. us the yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for bringing it up. The, the executive snapshot is on my website, steeringventures.com. And it is really the combination of two assessments that I use. One is really looking at the health and effectiveness of your organization And as it pertains to decision-making, I think that's a really interesting one because some of the things happening in your organization are going to be the result of deliberate decisions that you've made, right? Conscious, deliberate decisions. I make a policy. I hire a person. I say you hire a person, you set a strategy, whatever. Um, Some of them will be the result of unconscious decisions you didn't realize you've made. Yeah. Um, 
And they're both playing themselves out in your organization. Mm. And so having somewhat of a mirror to hold up to an executive and say, hey, here's what's going on in your company, in your department, in your division, whatever. uh, That's executives find that really helpful because it gives them data they don't tend, uh, they don't really have any other way to get to. Right. The second piece of it is about what's going on inside of them. Here's where you're making great decisions. Here's where your decisions might be a little out of whack. Uh, here's an interesting one. Maybe we need to cover this in a different podcast. Your decisions are actually a reflection of your values. Oh. oh and if your uh-huh. values are out of alignment, your yeah. decisions will follow, right? So that's that's a place where some people actually truly make bad decisions consciously, but it is a reflection. It's an outworking yeah. of misordered values. Mm-hmm. That one gets really, really dicey. But this is an assessment that actually help us find those areas and say, hey, here's where your decision making is great. Lean into that. Here's where it's not so great. We've got to work on that. And then the, the trickiest one, but perhaps my favorite is, here's where your decision making is just a little bit bent. Right? Hmm. Like, like you're just off consistently in this one direction, you lean this one way. And knowing that about yourself can help you become a more healthy and effective executive when you know that you're going to tend to always value this a little bit more than you should. And I have found that really helpful with a lot of my clients to say, when we've got a big decision to make, let's remember that you tend to put more value, more weight in this Mm -hmm. than it probably deserves. Given that knowledge about yourself, what do you think is the best thing to do here? Yeah, that's uh, that's like playing my slice in my golf game. <laughs> right, right, it's gonna go right. So just aim left, and hopefully it'll hit middle. <laughs> so, so you want to know that you want to work on that, right. but as you're working on it, maybe you want to. Yes, that's, yes, I'm hoping to to slice left, but like the last six shots were all went right. <laughs> like may, maybe I should stop pretending and uh, and compensate for my current value set. Yeah, I will say I love this assessment. I've taken it, obviously, it's great stuff. Um, but I love it because most assessments are like personality, uh, right. you know, red, blue, green, everybody's equally good. It's what's sure. your style. This is legit, like, no, that this isn't good. Like this isn't a style test. This is like actual decision-making process. Uh, that's not working for you, buddy. And then, yeah, uh, dang it, when you did mine, you pointed my areas. I was like, no, he's right. He's right. I did that, that area of my life isn't actually working. We, mm-hmm. it, it was. It's really good. So, anyways, yeah. thanks. Thanks for being my thinking partner um, in many, many other conversations, but today as well, man. Of course. If you enjoyed this episode, you may want to check out my weekly newsletter. It's got the same title because I explore the same themes. I mean, this is what I'm doing with my life, but it's not the same topics. I put different content on each of those locations. It's a short newsletter. I try to make it very brief, highly condensed, lots of wisdom, very few words. If that's interesting to you, check it out. You can go to scottwozniak.com and click the newsletter option on top of the page or just use the pop-up box. That's S-C-O-T-T-W-O-Z-N-I-A-K.com. Or if you want to build a legendary company, you can check out my company work at swazconsulting.com. That's S-W-O-Z consulting.com. And whatever you're working on today, don't settle for the small game. Think bigger. Look further down the road play the long game.